Hello, my name is Beth Domkowski, and I'm coming to you from the Office of Admissions at Rowan University in Glassboro, New Jersey. Welcome to the first ever edition of Rowan Confidential. Today, I am joined by Dr. Justin Friedman and Dr. Casey Woodfield. Dr. Justin Friedman is an assistant professor in the Department of Interdisciplinary and Inclusive Education. His research focuses on the use of clinical simulations in post-secondary education and implementing approaches to disability and accommodations, including universal design, to create more meaningful participation for secondary and post-secondary students. At age five, Justin was diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or ADHD, and has identified as having a learning disability. Dr. Casey Woodfield is also an assistant professor in the Department of Interdisciplinary and Inclusive Education. Her research focuses on inclusive education, neurodiversity, and stories of lived experiences of individuals who use augmentative and alternative communication. Her research and teaching aim to counter socially constructed notions of competence and voice guided by the perspectives of disabled people as critical agents of advocacy and change. Thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Um, so guys, I'm going to start by asking you some questions. Uh, Casey, I'll ask you first. What wakes you up in the morning? What's your inspiration or passion? What, what's your driving force? So for me, uh, people and their stories. Um, a little bit of background, my personal and professional priorities all center the possibilities that emerge when we start to understand communication and inclusion as inextricably connected human rights. So I've been very fortunate in that I've been able to live, live and learn alongside friends, including uh, my best friend, my lifelong best friend, colleagues, peers, students, and educators who move and who communicate and interact in the, way, in the world in a range of ways. And so uh, I've gotten to live in inclusive spaces uh, like that and live out inclusion in the ways that we imagine it in the field of disability studies that we'll be talking about today. Um, so what wakes me up in the morning is getting to collaborate with the people that I care about and, um, and to really honor the ways that they are the experts and contribute to contributing to a counter narrative around how we understand disability as a form of diversity and who gets to lead that movement. And I really see them as the leaders of that. Oh, how interesting. Justin, what about you? Same question. And I've also uh, always been passionate since growing up about making the world uh, more meaningful and supportive place for people with disabilities. Uh, I mentioned that myself, I was diagnosed with ADHD and a learning disability when I was five, and I received special education services um, throughout my schooling. Um, and now I'm really inspired as I get up in the morning thinking about the progress that has been made over generations in creating more meaningful access for people with disabilities in our schools and wider society. And that makes me want to go further beyond the progress that has been made of just acceptance for people with disabilities, but now moving forward to a world that doesn't consider people with disabilities to be exceptional or their needs to be special, but instead as part of the diversity of our human experience that really enriches all our lives. That's so great. You guys are both so passionate about this. Um, and I know this relates directly to your research. So, Justin, why don't you tell us about the scope of your research in this area? 
Sure. So Casey and I uh, started collaborating based on our mutual interest of increasing the meaningful participation of students with disabilities in higher education, meaning in colleges and universities. Uh, and this began actually with my dissertation, uh, which was about college students with disabilities and accommodations. So around the country, students who receive accommodations in, in college are typically go and they um, request a letter of accommodations, they register with an office on campus, and then they might be given things like extended time on a test, or they might be provided with extended deadlines or access to a reduced distraction testing environment. Those are some of the common accommodations. Um, and so I wanted to really look at what do students say when they talk to their professors about these accommodations, because they're commonly expected to communicate with professors. Um, and when I was up in Syracuse University with Casey, when we were doing our PhDs, I, uh, I worked with uh, Professor Ben Dodger up there who used what's called a clinical simulation model. And this comes from medical education. Um, it's where you hire actors and train them to portray, portray a certain individual. And it can create an opportunity to, to have a sort of structured conversation that might be challenging, but in a sort of low risk uh, type, of, type of way. So for example, uh, having our college students who wanna be teachers engage in a conversation with an actor who's trained to be a parent in a sort of parent-teacher conference. But in this case, uh, the work that Casey and I are doing um, is looking at how students with disabilities talk to an actor who's been trained to be a college professor and talking about their needs, talking about their accommodations. And so recently, um, we partnered with uh, John Woodruff on campus here in the Academic Success Center and Disability Resources Office and did this simulated meeting as part of a transition program called the College Compass Program. And so it was an opportunity for students coming to Rowan as well as some students who've been here for a couple years to practice having a conversation with an actor who's trained to be one of their professors. And what's interesting about this um, experience is that it's a video recorded, and so it allows students then afterwards to go back and watch themselves and, and look at how did I talk about my needs or how did I feel when the professor said something that we trained them to do. Like for example, ask them, uh, tell me about what your accommodations mean for this course. Um, and then for us as researchers, it allows us to look at how students are talking about their needs um, and ways that we could think about supporting them uh, throughout the process to make sure that they're getting their accommodations and really trying to engage in conversations that are, that are really meaningful and supportive for them. And looking forward now, we're also interested in partnering uh, with area high schools, thinking about can we do this same simulated meeting uh, with high school students as a way to prepare them for the type of conversations they may be having when they come to colleges like Rowan. So you two have been working together since you were in your doctorate program. Wow, how long ago is that? How long have you been working together? Oh my goodness. Um, I think it's probably been about five years. Five years. We've known each other, yeah. I think that. And you're still working together. That's great. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I actually grew up here in New Jersey, and and Casey's from New York, and um, you know, we didn't, we we never knew that we'd wind up kind of reuniting from New York both down to New Jersey. Um, and so we come from a very similar, uh, we come from the same program, and so we come from a similar kind of worldview and way of thinking about disability. And so that's why coming here to Rowan, it's been such a really natural fit to start collaborating really just in our very first year here. Oh, that's awesome, that's great. Um, Casey, we heard a lot about Justin's area and I know you're doing the same type of research. Is there anything that you wanna tell us that's particular to you? So I'll talk, I'll speak a little bit about um, how we've sort of 
made this collaboration reflect both of our areas of focus and um, and really merge that together. Um, so one of the things that is really important in thinking about how to design research is co-constructing it with the people who are participating in it and whose lives it impacts. And so that's been a really exciting um, and creative experience for us in that um, we are working to design this project to account for diverse ways of being and communication preferences and needs from the start. And so uh, in qualitative research, which is um, the background that, that we come from and some of the work that we do, uh, it's typical to really sit down with a, with a person or a student and interview them, prioritizing the speech that they create to give you an answer. And we, we know from our experiences uh, as and with people who communicate in a range of ways um, that that's not always the most preferred or effective means of communication. So that's really something that I think um, I've brought to this project is that we've designed with that in mind. Um, and so it's, it's a way of universally designing inclusive research that creates space for a wide range of participation. Um, and at the same time, we also have, it's really important to us that it be reciprocal. So at the same time that students have told us that they benefit from having that structured space and a supportive environment, as Justin mentioned, to explore this experience um, and to practice, and we're also learning from them, we're insisting that we push that even further to look at the students um, who want to participate in this way as collaborators and co-constructors of the work. And that's, that's imperative in our field, and it's um, part of a a representation of our collaboration that draws from both of our backgrounds. Oh, that's great. So you actually see the impact of the work that you're doing firsthand. So how do you see this impacting your field and the world um, in addition to the results that you've already seen through the videos and through your students? We both identify as disability studies scholars who are committed to uh, modeling and contributing to more inclusive and equitable schools and communities. So, and that means research too. So that really connects to what I just talked about um, in terms of more universally designed and inclusive research design. Um, but broadly speaking and historically, we've mentioned a little bit about how disability has been constructed and referred to in ways that put the onus on the individual to change and adapt to society. Um, and those of us in the field of disability studies or other um, related areas really focus on the responsibility of society to change and adapt, to reflect and honor the wide range of communication, movement, um, ways of being in the world that actually constitute the human experience. And so this research uh, not only helps us understand the experience students are having in the systems as we've built them, that we acknowledge have not been designed with them in mind, and positions us and them together to reimagine what those spaces look like and the possibilities that emerge from, from working together and including everybody's voice in that. And I'd imagine some of your uh, results are already being implemented here at Rowan University. Yeah, uh, and it's something that we are working closely with um, John Woodruff's office, the Academic Success Center, sharing these results. So it's really, it's a partnership, really, um, and we're looking to partner more as we go forward. Um, and, and in one way we're doing that, in terms of moving forward, is through actually our classes. So we've thought about how can we take what we've learned from this research and then 
get our teacher, our, our pre-service teachers, students who are taking our classes in the College of Education who want to become teachers, uh, and get them thinking about um, how this, what's the implications for practice of all this, of all this. And so, um, one thing we're doing now is thinking about how then we can encourage professors here at Rowan and around the country to look at their own syllabi and look at their own practices and think, can I design my classroom in a way that really thinks about these accommodations ahead of time? It's, it's what we call the universal design approach. Um, and the idea is that when students have need for accommodations, it's considered something that's maybe unique or special. But when we think about those needs ahead of time, there are policies that we can put in place that really expect those needs to come up uh, and try to build a classroom environment that anticipates um, and is flexible uh, for students who come with disabilities and students who don't have disabilities but have varying needs. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, sometimes things don't go quite as planned. Can you tell us about a time when the outcome was not what you expected and how you moved forward with that? Sure. So Casey and I have just been talking about this in the last couple of days that uh, the research we've been doing is about having a conversation in office hours, in, basically in a professor's office. But not all students want to come to a professor's office anymore. And we found out that a lot of students, when they talk about their uh, letter of accommodations, when they talk about their needs with a professor, they are typically now coming maybe at the end of class just for a minute. And so they may be saying some of the same things, but in some sense, the simulation in an office is not quite as authentic as we maybe had hoped for, because students are, are not necessarily going to office hours to have that conversation. Um, and we've also heard from students that you know, they don't necessarily want to talk often about their accommodations with professors. It can be really stigmatizing. Um, if you're forming a relationship with a professor early on in which you're talking about, you know, your disability or you're talking about your accommodations, sometimes students have told us, and I experienced this as well as an undergraduate student, that they're worried about how they might be perceived. And so that's some of the stuff that came out of our, of our study. And when we, when we started to realize some of that, we, we started to think about how are we going to shift this. Um, and then that kind of comes back to the, to the idea of, well then, why are we having these conversations in the first place? And is there a way to make this less stigmatizing in the first place for students? And so instead of just focusing on practicing uh, to engage in these conversations, who is working to really try and create an environment that's more accessible in the first place? So that's when the voices of participants, when something doesn't exactly go as you thought it did, uh, it actually pushes you then to think about, well, maybe maybe we're going to change a little bit of what the end goal is here. Um, it's not just about preparing students to to our, advocate for themselves, but it's about advocacy as changing the policies in the larger environment. Um, and so that's something that's been really useful. And uh, our colleague Alicia Drellick uh, in our department is also working um, in our uh, in collaboration across our classes to really brainstorm policies uh, with our PhD students, with our undergraduate students, that we're going to then suggest to the university to create a more inclusive environment. And that really all comes from something not going as we originally thought it would in, in our research study and hopefully will will really result in a really positive outcome. So I understand that this research is something that you started on the doctoral level. What did you study undergraduate? How did you get here? 
So I actually, this is Casey, I studied um, American Studies, Business, and Writing. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, and I also studied um, Cultural Foundations of Education and Disability Studies. So I have a really um, diverse background. Mm-hmm. And um, like I've talked about in the beginning, most of my my priorities and my work come from personal experiences that I have wrapped my professional life around um, to not be able to separate my work and my life. So... Um, that is something that constantly surprises me. But actually, when I look back at my background, I'm still doing all of the things that I started when I was in my undergrad, um, which I did at Providence College. Great. And I actually always knew I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, so I studied uh, history and secondary education uh, and got a certification in New Jersey for secondary um, social studies. Uh, and then uh, that was at the College of New Jersey. And then I went back for a master's there uh, in special education because I was really interested in how I could use my own experiences as a student with learning disability and ADHD uh, as a strength, um, which was always really tough for me. But I thought if I could make this into a strength as a teacher, um, that would be great. And so I got my master's and taught uh, in Massachusetts uh, and then uh, found out about the the program at Syracuse and really different ways of thinking about disability um, than are commonly kind of talked about in schools um, to really think as we've talked about how do we change the environment to create more access and meaningful participation and that's when uh, went for the PhD program up in Syracuse University. Wow. So if we could go back in time and you could talk to your 18 year old self, what type of advice would you give yourself? I think the advice that I would give myself uh, is the same advice that I probably need to heed a little bit as an adult as well, um, is a reminder that that you matter and that your story and your voice really, really matters. And that if, if you feel that you can't find a person or a space that makes you feel like you matter, that um, maybe you need to create it. And I would say, and I think this maybe ties in with our research as well, um, because we are working, for example, with a lot of 18-year-olds, right, who are just starting out in college, um, I would say, you know, don't be ashamed of who you are. Um, you know, even though, even if it's an identity that other people might not see as quote-unquote normal, um, don't be ashamed because, one, it's important to be able to to ask for help, right? And, and sometimes I know I felt and, and some other students have told us that they don't always seek out all the resources or help that they need because sometimes they're a little bit... Um, no, they, they fear a little bit or they're a little bit ashamed of, of their identities or what they've been told by other people about themselves. So don't be afraid to, to seek out help, to advocate for yourself. But then I'd also say don't be ashamed of who you are because you have so much to teach the world. And, and the diversity of who we are is really an opportunity to teach others um, about the changes that we can make to make uh, our community, whether it's Rowan University, whether it's beyond Rowan University, um, to make it more... Um, responsive to to the diversity of all of us and so i think i think treating even our difficult even the difficulties we have as opportunities to actually share to teach the world uh, is something that we, we could all use a little more of and to wrap it up why rowan Uh, For me, Rowan is a place of possibility and partnership. So there's a consistent message and mission from the university being committed to being a model of inclusivity in higher education, to the College of Education being committed to social justice and preparing educators who are ready and able to 
contribute to the transformation of schools and society. Um, those are all things that I have noted as I've as I looked at Rowan, as I came to visit here, as I've gotten to know the campus and community here that I that really align clearly with what we've been doing together, um, both of our backgrounds and our work. And the students, I, the fact that the students um, are leading initiatives that are also reflective of the priorities like neurodiversity initiatives on campus, right? Um, it makes me realize and feel confident in the fact that the university will lead us in the direction of the people and the students themselves, the things that they care most about. Um, so we have great opportunities to work on campus around the things that we care about with PhD students, undergrads, and graduate students. And then I personally get to work um, as part of my job in local schools as a professor in residence. So I get to bring this knowledge um, and the commitment of the university to inclusivity and equity to the local schools to prepare the teachers, staff, administrators, and students and families uh, who are the next generation coming coming to this campus. So it's a very, um, it's a really different and important experience that Rowan offers to faculty. Yeah, and I would echo so much of that, especially coming here to Rowan, uh, the opportunities for collaboration. We've talked a little bit about the way Casey and I are collaborating, uh, Alicia Drellick in our department, but also we've now had four or five other faculty members in our department who are interested in the work that we're doing, who share the same the same goals and who are looking to implement some of the policy changes, approaches to designing a syllabus uh, that we're um, looking to do going forward in the spring and want to work together to reflect on that, to create a model um, for how professors all over the university, all over the country, can be building more inclusive classroom environments at a, at a college or university. Um, so that type of collaboration is so invaluable. Um, and then I would also say, I know I was really sold the moment I interviewed here at Rowan University in the College of Education uh, on the commitment to social justice, to access, to success, to equity. Um, that's such a part of the College of Education's mission. Um, and, and I'm confident that beyond even our department that we have campus leaders here in the university who also really want to back um, these ideas of creating a more um, diverse and equitable and inclusive uh, campus community. And so we're, we're, we're excited for what's happened so far, even in our first year and a month, but uh, also for all the things to come as we go forward here. Thank you so much for coming and speaking with us today. This has been Rowan Confidential.